Well, good morning, everyone. So glad that you chose to come spend a little bit of your weekend here with this family. I hope that today will be rewarding for you. I hope that it will be encouraging, and I hope that it will be in some ways challenging. Uh, today is uh, an interesting day. We're, we're going to pick apart six statements that we believe really define this particular group of believers. It's, the, it's six statements that God has used to kind of make uh, this family uh, the way that he's made this family to be. And so uh, I'm asking for uh, the, our Heavenly Father's help. I've been praying all week for this to be uh, presented in a way that would be beneficial for you, uh, encouraging for you and matter to you as an individual. This kind of talk has the uh, potential to almost be uh, reactive. And let me explain we all know that the church is broken uh, because people are broken. We all know that there's a problem with religion uh, because each of us as individuals is, is wrapped in this uh, fleshly body that was born with a sin nature. Uh, despite that, God uses broken things and he redeems them for his glory. And so today, my hope and prayer is that this time would be a time that he would challenge us as to the way he would view us as his church, as redemptive agents in a broken world. And so again, I hope that it's encouraging uh, for you. I'm going to take just a moment and pray for us as individuals. We have a very different uh, backgrounds, very different things that we bring to the table today. And more than anything, I would just pray that God would continue to do what I believe he's already doing in each of our hearts, despite anything that is said today. So let's pray together. God, we thank you for this moment, this time, this place, with this exact group of people that I believe you have prescripted to be here from the beginning of time in order to show yourself in a fresh and new way, a way that would encourage and challenge us through the redemptive work of your son, Jesus, on the cross. A time, Lord, when you left the comforts of heaven to walk on this earth, to live a perfect and pure life, and to give your life as a sacrifice so that we could experience presence with you, not only in the future, when we all come together, Lord, but for today in the moment when it seems like we can be very far apart from one another. We thank you, Lord, for this promise that you will come back, that you're making all things new and beautiful and perfect and holy. Until then, Lord, help us to love one another, to practice unity here in this place, and speak, Lord, through your word. Your servants are listening. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So today I want to talk to you as part of this 2020 vision series about what makes, I believe, what makes this body of believers uh, unique. I want you to hear me when I say that this is not a perfect group of people, nor is this a perfect church. There's no such thing. But we are a people who are learning to follow Jesus, to walk with him, and he is transforming us along the way. We're not the 
people who finally got the Bible right. In fact, we're far from it. But I believe if we'll lead with that posture, that God will continue to stir up something real and authentic in the middle of this group of people. And so today I'm going to share six statements with you that uh, I am very passionate about personally, that our leadership team uh, came together to create over a year ago that we believe God wants for this particular body. We've pasted them on our walls because these statements are so important to us. So if you want a cheat sheet, we have the cliff notes on the left side. I know none of you use cliff notes in college. You all read your textbooks from cover to cover. But just in case you want the cheat sheet, it's on the left wall here. We're going to be working through those statements together and then ending our time with a personal note. Number one, we already have a king. We already have a king. You probably ask yourself, what does that mean? Why is that important? Why would you be passionate about that? We live in a a culture that is inundated with celebrity. We love to lift people to a place of prominence in our hearts and minds. We do it from a popular culture standpoint, but we also do it from a spiritual standpoint. Maybe you have a favorite author or a favorite teacher or preacher or pastor or podcast leader, and I want you to know that that person that you have idolized in the same way that I have my own list is also a broken person. It's a person that just like you and I have their own list of problems and issues, although social media may not show that part of their life. That is certainly a highlight reel for us. And so why should this matter to you? I want you to know that if you place your trust and hope in a person, that you will ultimately be frustrated or disappointed when that person ceases to perform in the way that you would like. Why does this matter? Because we do so in the church. We have this statement on our wall, we already have a king because we believe that there is only one person worthy of placing all of our hope and all of our trust. His name is Jesus, and I truly believe that he is the only person that will never let you down. Why? Because he's not only a person, the Bible says that he's also fully God. He's the God-man, God in flesh, who came to live and walk among us. He alone is worthy of placing our hope and trust in. So one of the ways that we remind ourselves of this regularly is we have a saying about our Sunday mornings that we use often in our leadership meetings. If anybody in this space leaves this building and they say anything like, man, that pastor was wonderful and I'm so glad. That, that was one of the best sermons I've ever heard. Or that song service was incredible. What a great musician. I love this worship team. If you leave saying any of those things, we have failed you. Our hope for you even today is that when you leave this place, there would only be one person or name on your heart and on your, t- uh, on your uh, lips, and that would be the person of Jesus. That you would leave saying, man, Jesus is awesome. That Jesus is amazing. God may use some other broken vessels to incorporate his will in our lives, to teach us, to instruct us, to guide us, to lead us, but only his name is worth worship and worth lifting up and putting glory. That's the only name that belongs on a platform. 
And you'll even see this in the way that we structure this. I don't teach every weekend. We have other uh, people who come in and teach from the Word of God as to not create a personality-driven culture. You may have noticed if you were here last week that this was an entirely different set of musicians. Every week it's a, a, a different group of people who stand on this stage uh, in efforts that we would simply point to Jesus and His perfect and finished work. We believe that He is the archetype of humanity. That he's the only perfect person that ever lived. And his name is worthy of mentioning and modeling our lives after. The second statement that I want to unpack with you today is that we love people over programs. We believe that programs exist to serve the people, not vice versa. We don't believe that uh, the best thing for you is to plug a hole in something that we have created simply for the sake of a program. Instead, we want to flip the script and we want to see that the, the programs uh, support and are created to encourage and lift up the people as our uh, a primary mission mobilizer in the city of Conway. So programs, in, for our definition today, are, they're simply structures that we can put in place to support people growing in the gospel. Now, if you were around on the early days, um, we, we, we probably led you to believe that programs were evil and that we didn't want to create anything and that life was just going to be simple. Okay, that was silly and that's our mistake. We've learned that programs are actually quite beneficial. And so uh, when we think about programs, we think about things like Kids City, who you recently helped provide hard copies of Bibles for. Kids City comes alongside of parents to equip them in understanding the gospel. They do not replace the parent. But that's a way, one simple way that we value programs, uh, but not to the extent of putting them over people. We always want to lift up the people first. Ephesians 4, verse 11, Paul writes to the church at Ephesus. I want to read this passage. It's a little lengthy, so hang with me, but we're going somewhere. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. We see in this passage that God has gifted the body with specific and different gifts. That you all have been made, as scripture says, in the image of God. The Latin phrase there being imago Dei. God's thumbprint, simply put, is on your life. You bear his image as his children. And so why is that important? Because God wants to raise up the church to be the church. This building is not the church. That's why we make it very uh, an attempt every week not to say, Welcome to church. 
You wouldn't welcome you to something that you already are, right? You are the church. Welcome to our worship gathering this weekend of the church. This is really important, and you're going to see why here and even in just a few more moments. So that we're building up the body of Christ to use gifts uh, in unison together. People over programs. The most important thing to God is His prized creation. His people. You are His people. And so we're building the body of Christ to work together. Just like if you have a sore knee, it makes it hard to walk. And you begin to overcompensate and that affects your hips. God calls us his body. So when the body works together in unison, everybody wins. You see, it's a, it's an, uh, it's a, a, a message on unity together. God has knitted us together with different gifts. And so if you're the ear, don't look at the eye and wish that you were the eye. If God made you as the armpit, which I'm sure none of you, this is a body with no armpit, but if you were the armpit, you couldn't look at the bicep and go, that's more useful than my armpit. I'm not smart enough to know the usefulness of an armpit, but I can assure you if it's on our body, there's a purpose for it, okay? None of your gifts are any more important than any, anybody else's. None of my gifts are any more important than any of your gifts. We are made together. This ancient doctrine is known as the priesthood of all believers. The priesthood of all believers. I want to share with you a really neat illustration uh, for the priesthood of the believers. Thousands of years ago when God's people were uh, following a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day, there were different parts of this mobile church facility, if you will, called the tabernacle. And the closer you went into behind curtains, the more uh, only the holy people, holy people, the priests were allowed into this place. Tradition has it that it was so holy to go behind the holiest of holies that they would tie a rope around the person going in to offer the sacrifices to God in case they had unconfessed sin or weren't deemed holy, they could pull out their corpse Interesting thing, when Jesus was dying, history notes that the temple, that the, the veil between the Holy of Holies and the rest of the regular people was torn in two at the death of Christ. This tearing representing that every man, woman, child, boy, and girl had full access to the most holy places under the lordship and sovereignty of our God. Simply put, you are now all priests when you are in Christ. Isn't that good news? You have the same access to the Heavenly Father that anyone else does. No one in this room has a, 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 the, the voice, the ear of God inclined better than anyone else. So the child who follows Jesus has the creator of the universe at his disposal, that he is listening when we say Father, that he knows our need and will respond accordingly. We are all priests because of Jesus. Why does this matter? Well, we're looking to do some really neat things around here, just from a practical standpoint. Our Kid City ministry is growing. It's bursting at the seams. So we're, we're growing new children's classrooms for our kids. 
Why does this matter? Because we need people with gifts who will serve in that way. We're getting ready. Uh, there's a, we're at a time in our life where we have teenagers now. Our church is growing older. We're six years old. And so we're going to be starting some more student ministries over the course of next year. We need people with a gift and a calling toward pouring into students who would be willing to take that step, to be the body of Christ, to be priests and represent God to teenagers. The third phrase is that we practice collaboration, not competition. 1 Corinthians 3, Paul is discussing the fact that some people have followed him and some have followed another teacher by the name of Apollos. He says, uh, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you've believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, this is Paul speaking, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything. But only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one. And each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. God's building. No gift is more important than another gift. There's no room for some of us to follow different teachers. In fact, Scripture is saying that we collectively are the church and only God can give the increase. We each have different roles to play within the body, but only God can make the growth happen. See, the same is true in your own backyard. You can plant a flower. You can water the flower. You can make sure that the flowers have access to sun, but you can't make that flower grow. It's humanly impossible. God is saying that the same thing is true about us. I love what Alex said earlier. May we take the posture of a, a, a plant or a flower or a tree pointing to God. Just like all of nature who proclaims the beauty of God. He's revealing God's handiwork in every piece of our world. We are no different. God wants to use us together to point others to Him. We currently partner with various nonprofit ministries throughout our city, state, and nation. Why should this matter to you? Because the opposite is competition, and competition is fueled by comparison. And comparison, Teddy Roosevelt once famously said, is the thief of joy. Social media fuels it. We scroll through the highlight reel of other people's lives and we try so hard to make ours be that pretty. We see that person it becomes makes us jealous or envious of another person's life. And in the middle of that, our joy is stolen from us. The same thing is true when we compare and we compete and we posture with other people. Looking around the room thinking, oh, I wish I could uh, sing like that. I wish I could play like that. Uh, I, I used to play bass guitar in a band in college, and one time, the worship team let me play with them, and I never got asked back. It was Yeah, true story. It was about three and a half years ago, and I bring it up to them often. I say, you remember that one time when you guys let me use my musical gift? And yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never, I don't think I ever got an email to be invited back into that space, and I say it in fun. Sort of, and the the point the point is, uh, if I allow that 
to harbor deep in my heart, it could probably frustrate me a little bit. But all jokes aside, it doesn't. Um, People have been gifted with gifts that I do not have. And instead of looking at them and wishing and, and longing to be more like that, to enjoy and celebrate what God has given them. That's how we were made. Number four, we refuse to play it safe. We take calculated, God-led risks. We are not going to be a people who are afraid of failure because it is in failing that we can learn and we can grow. I love the phrase, fail forward. We want to create a fail forward posture. If you've been around for uh, since last summer, you may be familiar with the festival that we put on called Freedom Fest. Freedom Fest is uh, now one of the largest gatherings in Conway of any sort. There's uh, over 10,000 people that come to Lake Beaver Fork every year. And we have great local artists. We have prizes. We have a beautiful fireworks show over Lake Beaver Fork. It's an incredible event. And God used people right here in this body to start that about five years ago. But the year before that, uh, we had a really bad idea. We called it the Zombie 5K Run. And I personally called the mayor and asked if we could do a 5K through the city. Walking Dead was the popular TV show at the time, if you'll recall. And I thought it would be fun, a group of people thought it would be fun if we had zombies that came out of the woods and creek as, they, as people were running. The worst idea I think I've ever had. I take full credit for it, essentially creating a nightmare for our city. And the, the mayor looked at me and he said, Joey, that is one of the worst ideas I think I've ever heard. And the next year, Freedom Fest was born. And now over 12,000 people coming together uh, over fireworks and great food and celebration. I tell you that silly story to tell you that we refuse to play it safe. We may swing and miss, but even the best batters in the major league only hit one out of every three, and that's okay. That is the beauty of following our Lord, is that when we make efforts in any area, God can use even the most futile of them for His glory. The fifth is that we are mobilizing an army, not building an audience. I want to share an illustration with you that has been very, very helpful for me when I think about this phrase. Of the six, if I had to only pick one, I would pick this. I think this is a very unique place in the larger scope of religion um, in the Bible Belt, that we're raising an army, not building an audience. We don't want to create a spectator sport. We literally want to train soldiers for the battle of life. It's the difference in two two, uh, types of ships. The first being uh, a cruise ship. How many of you have ever taken a cruise, Caribbean cruise, three, six days? Okay, good. Hands around the building. Uh, You travel a lot more than our 930 audience. We didn't have near as many people, so this is the mobile crew. The point of a cruise ship from the time you step on to the time you step off is very simple and clear. You know what it is? They'll tell you. We want to keep you entertained. We're going to give you free room service. All day and night, anytime you want a pile of chocolate chip cookies, you just call and let us know and we'll rush it to your door. We're going to have all kinds of comedy on the boat. We're going to have uh, bands on the boat in the different areas. You're going to eat good food and have full access to food. If you've ever been on a cruise, you always gain at least five pounds 
uh, on the duration of any cruise, and that is by design, okay? They're going to keep you entertained from the time you get on to the time you get off. But an aircraft carrier, now that one is a lot different. That's a different purpose. You see, everyone on an aircraft carrier has a specific purpose. Everyone on an aircraft carrier is not there to be entertained, but with a larger role in mind. An aircraft carrier equips aircrafts with people and resources to go places that the aircraft could never go. You see, that's the difference. And I believe that is how God has designed the church to function. Not as a cruise ship where we entertain you and you go on your way and talk about how great the entertainment was, but as an aircraft carrier where you come in and you are equipped to face whatever life throws at you. Not only that, but to play offense with your life, where you can go out and impact places and people that will never even consider stepping foot in this building. You know people, if we did the math on it, it would be amazing, the amount of people that this group connects with on a weekly basis. And if you're a child of God, God has planted in you the seed of good news the gospel message of Jesus, to be carried out to those places, to people who have no interest in showing up and giving up their time on Sunday. God has made you a missionary to your own area. And just like that person above the aircraft carrier, aboard the aircraft carrier, you have a very specific purpose and a, a plan for your life. And I believe that your joy is contingent upon it. I believe that when we're living as God intended, that we actually begin to receive the joy that God intended us for live. There's joy in the giving. There's joy in the generosity. There's joy in a blind beggar showing another blind beggar where to find food. And we, in that respect, are those blind beggars. And Jesus is our sustenance. We're building an army, not an audience. Some have called it a sleeping army, the Church of America. But we're not going to be a sleeping army. We're going to be an active army that enlists and sends and recruits soldiers for the battlefield. We have a vision of 70 Christ-centered communities all over Faulkner County. You say, why 70? Well, there's about 70,000 people, best I can count in the city, and I've heard that it takes one focused small group of individuals to impact a thousand. So if we're going to impact this city with good news of Jesus, we need about 70 groups who are coming together, centering their life around Jesus and his word, and living on mission in the places where they live, work, shop, and play. Right now we have about 20. That leaves 50, and there's work to be done in our city. Maybe God is raising you up to be a part of that offensive gospel strategy to take good news to places where this craft aircraft carrier can never go. Sundays are the locker room. That brings us to number six. We submit all of life to Jesus. We have a really bad habit in our country of making Sundays our religious day. That's sacred. And then Monday through Saturday is secular. God never intended for Sunday to be the sacred day while the rest is secular. It's all spiritual under the lordship of our King Jesus. Every day is sacred. Even the little trip to the gas station can be a mission trip when it's given to our Lord. We submit all of life. 
I think about, um, I got some friends here today that are in Packer uniform. Thank you very much for that. You make this illustration much easier. I love Aaron Rodgers. He's an incredible quarterback. At some point today, I'm probably going to sit on my recliner and yell at the TV on what Aaron Rodgers should have done differently. Because let's just face it, I clearly know more about being a seasoned NFL quarterback than one of the greatest quarterbacks that ever lived, right? Absolutely not. That's ridiculous and sarcasm. But how many of us play armchair quarterback in the game of Christianity and religion worldwide? We think we know every problem that there is to know about the church. We can be the first to point fingers and hurl accusations when in reality we're simply sitting in an easy chair and watching the game at a distance. I believe that God wants his people engaged in this gospel warfare. That we shouldn't be sitting back watching, yelling at the TV, telling the church what they should be doing. But we should be engaged, not sitting on the sideline, but on the court, on the field, in the game of life. And when we do, we are submitting all of life to King Jesus, not just our Sundays. When I say all of life, this includes the way we look at, uh, the way we spend our time. It includes our hobbies. It includes the way we view our resources, our time, energy, and money. God wants every part of us. He wants our brokenness. He wants our pain. He wants our failure. And his shoulders are big enough to carry all of it. God is inviting us even this morning to take all of our worries and cares and lay them at the foot of the finished work of his son Jesus. God is inviting us to lay our burdens down, to submit not just our Sunday attendance, not just our giving, not just some Bible reading during the week, but every piece of us. He's inviting us to lay it down at his feet. I want to get personal with you for just a moment. Um, this this uh, weekend, uh, we lost a friend. We lost a friend to the city of Conway. Uh, Cody, a man named Cody, who's a friend and neighbor of mine, took his own life. I can't imagine the kind of pain that must have been in his life. There were dozens of times that I sat with Cody, and not one that I remember asking him how he was doing or really pressing into his life. I'll carry that the rest of my life. And when I think about submitting all of my life to Jesus, I'm reminded of the value of the very present moment that we have. Not just here, but as we go through the week, God has given us relationships. He's given us other people in our life that as, we, as our view shifts from a Sunday faith experience to an all of life, then our co-workers can become those that we can begin to show compassion to. Our neighbors then become people that we can take the love of Christ, the same love that He showed us, we can take it into their lives and extend kindness and compassion. We can check in on others and care about them. As we submit all of our lives to Him, there may be one statistically so here that is considering the value of their own life let me tell you your life is extremely valuable 
our God cares deeply for you. And there are others in this room who feel the same. Before you take any kind of step, let, let others know of the pain that you're walking through. Scripture calls us to bear one another's burdens. As we submit all of our lives, we begin to allow that pain and hurt. We can speak that into others knowing that they care for us. Do so. If you need to today, there are ears to listen. There are hearts that care. There's a God in heaven that looks down and sees your pain. And he understands your way. And he has went through great lengths to show you the love that he feels for you. He's done that through the person and work of Jesus. As we sing and get ready to close, there'll be people standing at the exits. This is a part of our prayer team. Maybe you just need to share a few things and ask someone to pray for you. If it's extended time that you need, there'll be people upstairs. You can walk out those double doors right there and go up the stairs. And we'll have uh, a couple of our elders there who will be uh, ready and eager to hear, to bear your pain and your burdens, to walk with you, to pray with you, to find hope and healing through the person and work of Jesus. Whatever your need is, I want you to know that today the Father will meet you there. He'll meet you right at that place of pain. And He'll extend His mercy, love, and forgiveness in that place. I want to ask you to stand with me. We're going to say a prayer together. And then we're going to sing. Father, I want to say thank you. Thank you for knowing us and for loving us all the same. Thank you that you didn't give up on us. That while we are broken, Lord, you cared for us. You died for us. You gave your life for us. For that, we say thank you. Lord, I pray for those who are hurting secretly, who are hurting privately. Lord, that that you would give them uh, the courage to speak out, to share that need with someone that they know or even one of the members of our prayer team to let them know that you care and that you've put people in their lives around them to listen and to show the love that you have for us in a practical way. Father, we thank you for what you've done here today for the body that you're bringing together and bringing to life and helping us to be agents of reconciliation for even others. We praise your name, and we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.